Hi, welcome to Ghostman Radio Station, and tonight my guest is Tony Lynch. Tony is the founder of the non-profit Memories of Us LD, Grief Support for Men, the Global Grief Network, Resources for Bereaved, host of the podcast Grief, Let's Talk About It podcast, and number one international best-selling author. And from his background, which I read about, I can see why he got into what he did. Just, just just give us a brief bit about your background. Yeah. Um, well, I got into I got into grief work after the loss of my parents, my younger brother, and um my my son. And the journey of grief kind of pushed me into it after a brief stint with almost taking my life. And do you find that whilst you was coping with your grief like i've done with my wife at the moment do you find it because it's a more post personal thing sometimes people you feel that people don't understand what you're going through oh yeah most definitely um and it's and it's totally normal for people not to understand what you're going through because as you just said grief is such a personal journey it's you and the relationship that you had with the individual that passed yeah, I find that what I do is, you know, I still miss my life, but I live day by day and I've got on with life a bit because, unfortunately, life does not stop because something right. like that happens. It's horrible to say it, and you know what I'm saying is true because you probably said the same thing yourself. Right, exactly. I have. Um, and I've, I've gotten on. I've just found a way to take what I've gone through and help others. I serve people. You know, um, to make sure to, to make sure that they don't struggle the way that I've done. Now, even though grief is uh, is a personal journey, the tools and the tools that you develop along the way, you can use to actually help other people. You know, if that's what you do, so choose to do with it. Um, it was just a path that was opened up to me, and it made sense to. Um, it began to make sense to help other people. Did you do you think that from what you experienced in your life, the pre-bits that you mentioned in a bit, I don't know if you want to talk about it, so I I'll, I'll leave that to you. Okay. Yeah, so I'll leave that to you. Um, you know, the about the criminal life and the abuse that you went through. Do you think that although it was bad at the time, do you think it shaped you as a person? Um, I think it it did in the moment. The the lifestyle that I led. You know, um, being a game banger, it it actually was the breadcrumbs that led me to doing the work that I'm doing. So, and what I what I mean by that, how can you understand what the next person is going through if you don't walk the path? We may not understand it, but it's it's the it's the little breadcrumbs that lead us there, right? So, being a game banger. I led this life where, you know, I was on the other side of the law. I was selling drugs. I was I was fighting all the time. You know, you name it, I was doing it. I became an inmate for five years from 1994 to 1999 for a crime I never committed, but I never got I never got caught for the crimes that I did commit. So it was like, hey, you know, you didn't get caught for this, but we're going to get you for this. I said, OK, uh, being shot, uh, being homeless as many times as I have. And then getting older and the losses 
the losses compared to when I was when I was in the gangs and and being homeless, things like that, compared to the losses I can I I endured in my later in my later years in life, everything shaped me. Er, everything shaped me because it it helped me understand both sides. Right, I was placed in situations where even though I was out there doing doing wrong and things like that, the people that I met along the way, I was a actually able to help them um, steer clear of the path that I was on. Because I didn't want to see, I didn't want to see them going through the same things I was going through because they didn't know. They saw what they wanted to see. That's the that's the lifestyle, right? You know, we're going to show you the glamour and the glory of, of what it's like to do this right here, but we're not going to show you, we're not going to show you the downside. We're not going to show you that you're every day of your life. You're going to have to be, be like, be like a um, bobblehead. Your head is going to be on a swivel. You'll never get another night's sleep. You know, not only do you have to worry about the your rival game bangers, but you got to worry about game bangers that you aren't rivals with yet. Your allies. You got to worry about your friends. You got to worry about the police. You got to worry about your family. You got to worry about all of these people. Because there is no such thing as, you know, um, as fair game. You know what I'm saying? Nothing's fair in this. You're, hey, you're a moving target. That's exactly what you are. You are now a moving target. And so you're going to have to live this life and you're going to have to learn how to survive it. And if you don't learn how to survive it, well, they got a graveyard full of people just like you. You know, then when I got older, and, 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 you know, endure, endured the losses and things like that. It put my mindset in a different in a different category because now I'm able to help those men that struggled the way that I did now that I understand the value of the lives that I was a part of. One you took granted of, the other one you valued. So, well, yeah, that, it is. You were indoctrinated into the that lifestyle once you're in that lifestyle you're like in a bubble like in the army you're in a bubble what you're in this like you don't see beyond this square until you open that eye and right, see right. Beyond. that's that yeah that's the nature of the beast though you know because when you're when you're in that lifestyle no matter what lifestyle that you're in right you know um but when you're in that lifestyle you are in a bubble because that's all you see that's all you Initially, that's all you know. You have to engulf yourself into that lifestyle. There's no, I'm gonna live this life, I'm gonna live this lifestyle, but I'm gonna put my foot in over here. It doesn't work. One like they don't, they don't mix. Right? You can't incorporate the, the lifestyle of being a game banger, a criminal, and things like that into a lifestyle to where you're trying to um build build a better life you're going from trying to survive to true going to try to live it doesn't work it, it just doesn't work right because one of them is going to one of them is going to over overrun the other you have to choose which one you have to choose either this or you're going to have to choose either that and so once i once i chose this i said well if i'm going to do this i am going to I'm going to be fully in 120%, right? Because I realized that I can't, my life don't, it doesn't, it doesn't fit over here. I have to be able to survive this. 
And whatever needs to be done, I have to be willing to do. When I got out of that lifestyle and I said, okay, where do I go next? I was homeless for two and a half years. I mean, seriously, homeless, no family, no nothing. I'm sleeping under bridges, eating out of trash cans, you know, whatever I need to do. But I'm not doing no more criminal stuff, right? So I took my lashings. I took them. And then when I decided, I said, okay, enough is enough. I got to figure some things out. You know, I need to do something because right now this is not working. I'm, a, I'm about ready to die out here on these streets. And I... I've already survived this over here and I made it just barely. And now I'm here at this point and this is what's going to take me out. No. So I said, you know what? I, I need to do something different. And I did. I began to take the necessary steps and I began to wash away and change everything about me. So that past lifestyle, it was there, but it wasn't a dominant part of me anymore. And I was willing to accept um, the life that I was I was looking to of uh, building, and I did, and I began to build it brick by brick and step by step, and um, and I built a really good I built a really good life. I became an I became an alcoholic, which in turn stumbled me back. I lost everything again and had to rebuild myself. So I went through a process. I went through that journey of becoming who Tony is today. So I had to leave one lifestyle in order to build another lifestyle. And I'm slowly but surely still building that lifestyle, you know? Do you think that, I'm sorry to ask this question because it's going to be an obvious question. You've probably heard it before. But do you think racism was a part of the issue? Yes. Yes. And, and don't don't feel bad about asking the question. It's, it's huge now, right? Back when I was coming up um, as a as a child, we didn't see a whole lot of racism. Uh, when I was in the gangs, yeah, we had it. We had the racism because we had the Aryan Brotherhood that, you know, we was fighting them all the time as well. But now it's a different sort of racism um, living in the world that we that we do now because now people are very bold. You know, they don't if they don't like you, they were like, hey, we don't like your race. Period. We don't like your race. And there's places that I go now where people look at me, they judge me because of the color of my skin. They don't know nothing about me, right? There's no traces of a life that I used to live, but yet they're quick to judge me. They're quick to go, you know what? That, you know, that black person over there, he's, he's a criminal. That black person over there, you gotta, you gotta be safe because he, 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 he loves to hit. They don't know me from Adam. So yes, the racism, the racism is so embedded into a lot of people in society, but it's also systemic as well, right? You know, and it took me a long time to realize that as well. But yeah, I have a lot of strikes going up against me just because of the way I look, and that's okay. Do you think it's important that we keep? Say, like in the UK, we, we're trying to eradicate the history of slaves. You know, mm -hmm. like it never happened kind of thing. But I think it's important to keep it there. Not because I think it's right, but I think it's the only way you learn that what we did back then, okay, wasn't acceptable, but we wasn't the only nation doing that. Lots of nations were yeah. using slaves. Yeah, I think it is important. It's important to know where people come from, not 
um, not for the sake of criticizing slavery, um, but educating ourselves so we don't keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. You know, and so yes, we need to educate ourselves on on the era of slavery and before then, right? Because there's a whole history that's been erased through slavery. And so, do, if we educate ourselves on on slavery, the damage that is done, we can now learn the history of of the black people and where we actually started to come from and what it was like before. Right, you know, because we all have a history. We, don't, to be honest, and I and I hate to say it this way, but black people are the only culture that don't have a history. We don't know our true history. It's been erased. It's been yeah, no, you, mean you don't know the origins of the origins. Right, yeah. right. So we have to educate ourselves so we can get back to where the origins of. That way, we can understand. We can have our history too, right? You know, yeah, and, I think that's right. I think everyone's got that right. Yes. Yeah. And, and and we should everyone should have that right. So it's time it's time to keep the education going so we don't keep repeating it, you know, um, not carry on um the traditions of it, but remind people that we are all people, we're all human beings in this world, and to begin to unite and walk together in this world. That's that's the key to it, you know. Through tragedy, then it has to be a blessing. I think we're too afraid to, to say things now because of the, this wokeness. You're oh, afraid yeah. to say. You're afraid to say. Basically, some people would say, "Oh, I can't call you black. You can't call me white," because that's you know that's defining your skin color. You know, this is right. all this. What you know? What I'm saying. This is how far it's gone now. I think this is, I personally think this is stupid because I think yes. it creates more racism. <laughs> well, yes. Um, and I, and I, and I see it from both sides, you know what I'm saying? This so-called so, this so -called woke culture, they're so offended by everything, but I get it to a certain extent. And I was listening to someone on that conversation that we're having right now. And the person said, how do we get rid of it? He goes, well, you know, as a matter of fact, it was Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman who said it. He said, well, instead of me referring to you as white and you referring to me as black, how, do, how about I refer to you as your name and you refer to me as my name? Right, right. So instead of identifying and categorize ourselves as black, because to be honest, I'm not black, I'm brown. You know what I'm saying? The shirt that I got on is black. The shirt that you got on is black. I look nothing like that shirt. I am brown. You are, are peach. Right? You're not white. You're not the same color as the wall on, on your on the back on, that you're sitting in front of. Yeah, this, this is what this has happened though, isn't it? It's the definition right. of a word. Yeah, it's the definition of a word. But if we're going to use it, let's use it in the right sense, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm not black, I'm brown. You're not white, you're peach. Right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we can eliminate and use actually true colors for people. Then you realize that the words that we're giving power to, they really don't have power. But and the words that have power are your name. I find the same in mental health, because obviously 
committing t- trying to commit suicide does come under the mental health banner yeah. and stuff. And I always get annoyed when people say, "Oh, I don't understand why they did it. He had a lovely life." And you're thinking you don't know because everybody's capable of putting on this mask right. that they want right. you to see. We all do it. Everybody does it. And if you're in a, oh, yeah. a state of mind that you want to say, oh, I don't want to be here no more, you would do everything to hide it. And then you go out and do something. I'm not advising people to do that, by the way. Please go out and talk to someone first. Right. And see, I get it. I get it because when I got to that point where I was giving up, Life was beating the crap out of me, man. It was giving me lefts and rights, dragging me down. It was, I was tired. To, to in so many words, if I had to describe it, I was tired. I was tired of fighting and not knowing what I was fighting. I was tired of I was just tired. I was, it wasn't a mental tired. It wasn't a, a, a spiritual tired. It wasn't a physical tired. I was just tired, man. And I didn't want to be here no more. I really didn't. It seemed as if nothing was working. Not, nothing that what I was doing was working. And it made me feel as this life just, I was in a dark place. You know, it was full of death. It was full of just just heavy grief that I didn't understand. I was homeless for the 18th time in my life. When you get to, when you had to walk a path like that, going from, you know, going from making millions of dollars to nothing, absolute nothing, and you're trying everything that you can, and it just seems as, no matter what you do, nothing is working. My parents are gone. My younger brother is gone. My son is gone. All my friends are gone. I can't pick up the phone and call nobody. I'm alone in a world that don't like me. And I don't yeah, and understand. It escalates and escalates. Yeah, it escalates, right? And so I get it. I get when I hear about people taking their lives, that how tired that you can be to get there. Do I agree with it? No, because it's a it's a permanent solution to a temporary situation. But in that moment, and depending on how long it's been happening to you, it can seem as 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 if it's a forever feeling. And a person you can feel will, per- some people can get in this vicious circle. Right, of, right, it, and that's what it is. It, they get like, yeah. <laughs> You stuck in you stuck in a loop of darkness and and hurt and pain, and so that's why I say I get it. That hurt and pain can seem as if it's it's endless, and who wants to live their life like that, right? The thing is, is that it took me it took me to a point of wanting to take my life and almost succeeding at taking my life to realize that I had to jump across the other side. And that's where I found my purpose. A lot of people don't find that. 
a lot of people don't find that a lot of a lot of people that I know of that have taken lives they don't know that there's another side to it this is all we know right so it's either self medicate um stay in this loop until you just got at your wits end or you stop that and you go there has to be something different and that's the question that I ask I said look there has to be something different there has to be something more in this life and in the moment where I almost took my life, that's where the door opened up and said, hey, before you make this decision, look in this door. There's something else for you. There's a whole other life waiting for you. And that's why I do the work that I do. I help people open up the doors and see the other life that's waiting for them. So they don't, they don't, they get it. And I think as you know, and I know myself, if the person isn't willing to put the work in, you can give people tools you can give them religion you can give them right. whatever yeah whatever works you know i don't knock anything if it works it works but if they're not willing to put that effort into it and knowing that they will have a bad day they're not going to have constant good days they will right. have like dip but if that dip they can cope with that dip that's good this is true. Um, a lot of people don't know that, but it takes us to educate them. It takes people that have walked that path to say, hey, not every day is going to be be good, and but not every day is going to be bad. But instead of doing that, this is what I tell people. The moments that don't seem so great right now, it's just a moment in, throughout your day. When those moments show up, sit with it extract the information from it and then don't let it carry over into the next moment because what happens is that those moments show up to teach you they come up to ask you do you really want this right if so here's something for you then you go into the next moment and someone comes along that you could teach to each one we teach one the key to it is not to let the moments drag into each other and, and so imagine, imagine when you get your uh, people that come on your podcast, they obviously talk about their experiences, uh-huh. and and obviously you you give them your words of wisdom and that. Do do you find that when people listen to your podcast, do you get a good response back? You do get somebody saying, "Oh yes, I did feel like that. Thank you for your voice." I might not, they might not talk to you, but they might just say, "Oh, thank you." Or something like that. You know what? Um, to be honest, I don't know. People don't leave me comments and things. I know people watch the podcast, but people don't leave comments up there and things like that. I don't hear about it until, um, say, for instance, you know, I have another person on my podcast and they'll they'll say, hey, you know, I watched your podcast. Even though they didn't leave the leave the comment, they'll, they'll tell me personally, hey, I watched the podcast and what you said I really resonated with. Or I do a support group or something like that. And someone who watched the podcast will, will come up to me and say, hey, I, I watched your podcast and it was episode such and such. And what you said, did, you know, I really could I really could relate to that. And it really helped me out through that through those moments. So I don't see the visual comments and things like that. It's usually when I talk to people face to face. Yeah, I suppose people might be afraid to make a comment. Because they, right, right. they don't they want might. to be judged and everything. Yeah, so, and I, I can understand that. that. It, it is yeah, a judgment. So, 
when people find out you may have done that kind of thing, they do judge yeah. you. But yeah. then I always say to them, you don't know how close you may get to that situation one day. Exactly. And so, you know, it's it's opening up the doors so people feel comfortable about talking with it. But until we can open up the doors, I don't mind the private conversations. At least I know that I reach someone. You don't have to leave a comment on 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 the on the channel or, or or anything like that. As long as I know that I reached you, I'm good with that. As long as I know that the conversation that I'm having with this individual and the tools and the resources that we're putting out there is something that you can use, I don't have to know, right? You know what I'm saying? I know that I'm I'm doing my part. It may be silent, but I know that I'm doing my part. And so that's all you can really ask, right? Until a person can get to a point to where they're willing to talk about it, you can't force them. And I'm not I'm not here to force anyone. No, I'm not no. here to say I've, that. We, I've always said that when I used to work in mental health. I always found if I used to joke around with people and be there when I said, I'll be there in five minutes, I was there in five minutes. You know, that kind of constant routine. Yeah. Because you know, I dealt with very severely mental people. But when they like the routine, they like to know where you stood. And sometimes if there's an idiot, I say, you're a bleeding idiot. Or if they felt like being violent, I just say, go out there and punch some cold bags or something, you know, get the frustration away. Don't do don't do the violence. Because it said yeah. violence just leads to violence and that leads to more violence and it never gets you anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And people do that a lot. When when I get people like that, I just look at them and go, Okay. You want to be violent? I can be violent too. Let's let's go let's go down here to the gym. See, I mean it in a way to where okay, look, I'm your Huckleberry. I'd rather you be violent towards me than go out there and be violent towards somebody else. But yeah, the right. way that we're going to do it, I'm going to take you down to the gym, to the jujitsu gym, and to the MMA gym, and we're going to put on we're going to put on some gloves, we're going to put on some pads, and I'm going to let you be violent, right? And I'm going to be out of frustration. Yeah. yeah, we're going to get our frustration out because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I don't need you carrying that with you. But I get where it's coming from. It's it's a place of you have some, you, this thing is pimped up inside of you and you have no release. So what do we do? Well, I'm not going to deny you the opportunity to get it out. But what I am going to deny you is the opportunity to go out there and hurt someone else. I'm trained in this. You know what I'm saying? So let's go down here to the gym where we can be monitored. We, we can jump on the mat. We, we can jump in the ring. And and, put on some and and then once they've let it out, they, they no longer, oh, I feel all right now. Why? Okay, so think about it. Think about it this way. How do men cry? When a, when a man is violent and everything, you know what I'm saying? Um, that's his way of expressing his grief. That's his way of crying. That's why we hurt, we break things. That's why we hurt okay, ourselves. That's, that, that's the frustration. And right, that's because the frustration. We, right. We've been brought up not, well, our age, I'll go age-wise, because I'm 60 plus, we, we was always brought up not so much to show emotions as a man. Right. I'm not frightened to show my emotions now, but when you was younger, oh, oh God. Yeah, we don't do that, right? So yeah. we express we express the way that we're hurting through anger. Yeah. And so when you look at it in that aspect, 
that is how men cry. We yeah, cry through our anger. So, you know what I'm saying? If we can embrace each other in those moments, if I understand that this is what you're expressing, oh yeah, I can embrace that. I can I can come up because after you get that off, I'm going to embrace you and go, how you doing, man? Are you okay right now? And a lot of times what happens, that man breaks down and hugs me and he actually starts to shed those tears because there's nowhere else for it to go. And I'm like, I saw you. See, a lot of times when men are in situations like that and we're expressing it, we want people to see us for what's going on and not for what you want it to be. So I'm able to adapt to the situation and go, okay, I got you. I see you. I see what you're trying to do. I'm going to embrace you afterwards. Brother, I got you. And you and I'm going to let you do whatever you need to do. If that, that's crying and everything. Because the frustration and anger is gone now. Well, I've got plenty of time yet. He always, yeah. always says running out about nine minutes. Um, yeah. Uh, I find that here in the UK, I don't know so much in America, we sort of take the mickey out of things a bit. We can have this mm -hmm. little banter where we can, if you know someone enough, you joke around a bit. With them. Yeah. You know not to push it, but you can do little digs. They do little digs back, you know, oh, you're back early, or yeah, 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 that kind of thing. Do you think find that happens in America or not? So much. No, um, in some situations, yes, in some situations, no, because the banter, depending on the state of mind that a person is in, they may take what you're saying personally, right? Yeah, Which is yeah. going to lead to an unnecessary situation. So, it, now if you're friends with that person, the banter back and forth can be truly accepted. But if you're not friends with a person, y'all go, it's going to turn into an argument, it's going to turn into a fight. Or it may turn into somebody losing their life over some simple stuff. So you have to be able to read the person that you're with because you got to remember different cultures deal with different things in different ways. And you never yeah, yeah, know. Really, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking my culture and I'm not thinking it. Exactly. So you yeah. never know where the next person's mental health state is. Yeah, so you have yeah. to be mindful of, of your approach to that person. You don't know what's going on in that person's life. So instead of instead of bantering back and forth, I just go, you know what? I'm going to be where that stops because I'm going to I'm going to be the person that says hi to you. I'm going to be the person that says, have a great day. Because yeah, well, think about it this way. When I say hi to you, a lot of times you're going to stop. Right. Unless you're busy and you got somewhere to be and you really don't want to talk. But a lot of times when I say, hey, how you doing? A person will stop and go, oh, man, it's been a rough day. See, I just opened up the doors. Now I have permission to stand here with you. Instead, instead of coming at you in a different way, now I can sit up here and stand with stand here with you, because now I just found out you need someone to listen to you. You need someone to talk to. So you need someone that genuinely cares about you and what you're going through. And a lot of people don't do that. Then once we get that out the way, now I can banter back and forth with you because now I can I can make you laugh. And I know that that energy that you was carrying on, you're not going to carry it with you through the rest of your day because, you know, what I'm saying that energy is is addictive. And it's easy to transfer that to, off to people because you're having a, a go at it for today. 
Well, Tony, where can people find your podcast? And please mention what where they can find it, obviously. Yeah, um, they can check it out on YouTube, um, Grief Let's Talk About It podcast. Um, we do live streams. I'm dropping live streams every day. And I'm doing panel discussions. I got series coming up. So if you really want to check it out, go go to the YouTube channel. You can see a lot of other episodes up there as well. Uh, if they want to get in contact with me, they can email me, ggf1941 at gmail.com. Uh, um, they can find me on Facebook at Memories of Us LTD. They can find me on uh, Instagram, Men's Grief Support. And they can also find me on LinkedIn as Tony Lynch. So they can check out anything that I do, any projects that I have coming up. If they want to get involved in something, in some of the things that I do, we can make that possible as well. And obviously go out and check out some of your books. Obviously. Yes, yes. Um, um, so I do have a book. It's, it's called Relentless um, Stories of Overcoming Adversity. You can find it on Amazon, but you can also you can also email me um, for, for a copy and we'll work it out and I'll get a get a signed copy to you as well. Yeah, I like reading things like that because I think you learn, like I did my own autobiography about myself and my family, and I've learned things by just going back over it, just little right. things. I thought, oh, yeah, that did affect me. Oh, I did. I spent a year being kept back at school. I didn't realise how much it affected me later on in life. And I always felt like I was always trying to prove something. Yeah. And then I realised that was it. Yeah. You know, whatever the reason was, you know, I never know what the reason was. Is <laughs> as uh, far goes, yeah. But um, I've enjoyed this conversation. I hope by people listening in, what we discussed, and we will recommend that anybody listening who does feel if they need to talk to someone about this, please do. Yeah. Please seek help, either from yeah. professional or from various places online there's various vice places or phone lines in the uk and usa i can't mention them all because i don't know them all but there's they're all available via google search or bing search or somebody might yeah. know somebody or you might know a best friend or your family might you may be very tight your family need to talk about these things but some families can and some families find it very taboo well, we got to break the taboo with Tony McGreen with us. Because like we just mentioned, you know, that's he's Tony and I'm Mark. And that's the way the world should be. But right. I don't think we're going to break that taboo quite yet. <laughs> it's going to take work. But, um, it's you know, it um, one step at a time, one brick at a time. That's how you build a good foundation to make things, make change, right? And you get enough people to say, I want to be the change I want to see eventually we start to see the change. So that's why we do the work that we do. That's why I work with the people that I work with because we are heart-centered. We want to see the changes. We want to open up the doors for people to have great conversations and get the support and the help that they need because we realize that in our lives and the work that we do, it's not about us. It's about the people. It's about providing resources so they can heal. We just want to be... We just want to be there with you to provide you with those resources so you can heal. Well, I thank you, Tony, for giving me your time today. I do appreciate it. 
I have okay. found this conversation interesting and informative. And I think we've sort of covered the bases. I mean, there's a lot more deeper than that. And we could go on into the very depths of it. But unfortunately, with time allowed on the freebie version of uh, Zoom, we wouldn't be able to do that. And I think you covered most of it in your own podcast anyway. So it wouldn't yeah. be give me I wouldn't be giving you justice by doing that. If ever you if ever you want to be on the show, just let me know. I would love to have you as a guest and hear your story and we could have a more extensive conversation. Yeah, I'll I'll give I'll give you an email or write to you on Facebook or something and say yeah. I'll send you my calendar invite if that works. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Okay. I'll yeah, do that. Yeah. I'll send you my calendar invite. And then uh, what I'll do is that we'll just set up a time to have you on the show and just send me your headshot in your bio and I get everything set up and we'll go from there. And it's a live stream. Yeah. So we'll have a yeah, lot yeah. of fun. And poor, poor buggers will be going, who's this? Hold on. They might, they, they might, they might have, <laughs> I might have to talk. I, when I, I'm sorry to say this, but when I talk to people from America, I do slow down my accent slightly. Because, no, don't. I say, hey, you. I want you to be you, right? Yeah, because but it's just a natural accent. thing you end up doing. Because you yeah, no, I, I say, I want you to be your authentic self because that's I'll what makes you who you are. Yeah, I, I think I'm mostly me. I hope I'm me. Yeah. Right. That's in the.